Last week, I had the opportunity to visit the Glenstone Museum in Potomac. The intention of this museum is to present art and architecture that was developed after World War II in a pastoral scene and scenario in Potomac. And so they've taken 400 acres, returned it to its natural habitat, but also planted art and architecture throughout the different places. Glenstone has the intention of just presenting these pieces as by name and by the creator, the artist or architect. There's no description of the art. There's no sort of background of the art. It is just, this is the name of this, and this is who did it. So we're walking through the fields and came upon a piece of sculpture, a piece of art that was called The Split Rocker by Jeff Koons. Has anybody seen this? It is a huge head, maybe 35 feet tall, about 35 feet wide, that would fit into this dome that stands on top of a hill. And my best guess, since all you get is the name, Split Rocker, is that it's the head of a cow divided also with the head of a sheep. It is covered with fabric. It is fiberglass. It is also covered in this fabric are placed New Guinean patients of different colors. I'm one of those people who wants to know how art is created. The museum guards hate people like me because I'm up there looking at the, looking at the brush strokes and trying to figure out the perspective. So I walked in underneath this huge head and saw the irrigation system and also noticed that there was a solar panel on the top of this mammoth head that um, electrified the, um, the irrigation system. Meanwhile, my son, who was with me, had, was facing the opposite way. And I, I asked him why, and he said he's looking at the different houses that were on the ridge across from this head. And his perspective was, can you imagine waking up every morning as a little boy and looking out your bedroom window and seeing this green-colored head? Um, he then also did manage to say that um, he would be in therapy for the rest of his life. <laughs> it, what does this mean? What does the head represent? I wish Jeff Koons was here to tell me what he was thinking. Abstract art, modern art, invites you to come in and form your own ideas of what it means. Just as I would like Jeff Koons to tell me what the heck he was thinking, I want to know what Jesus was thinking when he told us this parable. Parables are like modern art or abstract art where you're invited to come in and make it your own to try to explore what Jesus was thinking, 
what was the perspective, what was going on then, 21 centuries later, what was going on now. But Jesus isn't here, but I know that Jesus is the God of love. I know that Jesus preached love, but then why did Jesus give us this parable that basically implies that we can be dishonest as Christians? We can be like the dishonest steward or manager. In brief, this parable explains how there was an owner who had a manager who had apparently misused the resources. He was called into the owner's office, if you will, and the owner said, well, why have you done this? What have you done? And by the way, you're fired. The manager says, uh-oh, I can't dig, I can't, I don't want beg, so what do I do now? And so the manager, the shrewd manager, goes off to the two biggest debtors that the owner has and turns to the olive oil producer and says, how much does my master owe you? How much do you owe my master? And then he cut it. He cut what the debt was. He called in the wheat grower. How much does how much do you owe my master? And he cut that as well. In hopes that when the manager was uh, penniless, these two large farmers, olivers and, and wheat growers, would take the manager in and feel kindly toward him. Okay. Then why did... In the parable, the master commend the manager for being so shrewd, for being so intelligent and crafty. And why do we have Luke's add-on discussion about the dishonesty and that we as children of light should emulate the children or the people of the darkness? And why isn't Rob preaching this sermon and why am I? (laughs) I, like many other preacher who is here on a Sunday morning, went through all the many commentaries that have been written trying to explain what this parable means and what is it our learning, like the abstract art, like the huge head that's sitting on top of a hill in Potomac, What is the meaning of this parable? What is the good? What are we still to learn from this? I read a commentary that said, which made a lot of sense to me, the passage's pivotal line is when Jesus says, the children of this age. That is the dishonest managers who run the world of mammon are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. The word translated as shrewd in this passage is profanimos, which means Greek, which means in Greek wise. The same word Jesus uses in an earlier teaching about a faithful and prudent phenomenos manager. It is related to the Aristotelian notion of phrenonesis or practical wisdom. 
the judgment savvy and verve required to get things done. In this regard, Jesus says his followers can learn a thing or two from even the most unrighteous ways of the world. Well, as I look out, I'm looking at people who have the judgment, the savvy, and the verve required to get things done. Then how can we as children of the light borrow from those that of this age, if you will, which I will refer to as those of the darkness, those who see mammon and, 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 and achievement, as their God, whereas we, as children of the light, are those that want to bring in the kingdom of God, that want to spread love and kindness and joy. And as such, Jesus is asking us to use our strengths, that which God has given us, to pursue and to spread out the light of this world, to bring in the kingdom of God. Some of us were given strengths that were being courageous or brilliant or wise or gentle and kind or all of the above. Our goal, our goal is to discern what God has given us, the gifts, and to use those, to not deny them. Because if we dumb ourselves down, if we decide that, no, I'm really not that bright in math or science, or maybe whatever your strength is, and you think, no, that, that is not a Christian gift, but rather that is of the world, then you are being sinful because you are not using the gifts that God has given you. You are not using that to create the kingdom of God on this earth. And instead, you are denying the gifts that God has given you. That is what Jesus is telling us here. Jesus is saying, look at your strengths. Look at your courage. Look at what God has given you and use them to pursue the kingdom of God, to bring the light into this world. But there are days, there are months, there are years when we feel the darkness beginning to encroach on us. When our work, as hard as we work, it seems like we're getting nothing done, or we're swimming upstream, or somehow, some way, all of this, our strengths and courage don't seem to make it don't seem to matter. And when we feel that darkness beginning to creep in, that's when we need a community of fellow Christians to say, keep going. Keep being the child of light. Keep being strong. Go back into your world, into the world that we live in, and be the children of light. Communities such as St. John's are called to be the transformers of this world. I'm not an electrical engineer, and in fact, an electrical engineer was here at 9 o'clock who 
kind of confirmed to me what I was talking about, which was basically the lines of electricity go into a transformer that are weak. The lines are weak. They have been used up. They have been spread out. And within the transformer, something happens. And the electricity goes out stronger and more brilliant. The community of Christ, St. John's on Lafayette Square, is the transformer that we need, all of us. As we come in here and we feel that as a child of light, our light is beginning to flicker. It's beginning to be dim. We at times feel like we ought to put a basket over it. And here at St. John's and in this community, we are transformed. We are re-energized. Our light begins to bright, to grow, glow brighter and shine out into the world so that we can push away the light of the darkness, the world of the darkness, and become the children of light to all that we encounter. Whether it's at your workplace where you call a fellow friend and say, I need a cup of coffee because I am spinning my wheels and feeling down. Or whether it's just basically you're exchanging the peace. And as you reach out your hand, the brightness and the power is extended beyond. Or you turn to a friend and say, am I right? Am I really supposed to be working for the Defense Department, working as a tax lawyer, whatever you do. And your friend says, yes, you have been given that gift, you have been given that strength, and you, you borrow their courage to go back and say, yes, this is what I am supposed to be doing. We have an important role in this world as a Christian community, as fellow believers, as fellow children of the light, to help each other in to transform ourselves, to stand taller, to breathe deep in the Holy Spirit that gathers here. And whatever happens in a transformer, can happen here as well, and that we will be out into the world again stronger, wiser, more prudent, garnering the skills and the strengths that we have been gifted with to transform this world. May it be so. Amen.